From the time that I was a small boy, I loved Christmas, and one of the things that made it so special to me was there was always a surprise. I think in our more modern world today, we sort of have lost some of that surprise. We sort of pre-order our presents long before they come, and we might often know everything that's going to be there for us. But that wasn't that way when I was growing up. One year when I was probably seven or eight years old, my mother had seen a brand new type of vacuum cleaner. She had three boys and the house was always dirty and she worked really hard to clean it up. And she pulled around that big heavy vacuum all the time. And she heard of a new lighter model of a vacuum cleaner called an electric broom. She was so excited, she asked my father if he would give her a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. (laughs) So about a week before Christmas, my dad got the three boys and threw us in the car and we went down to the hardware store where he found an old traditional wooden-handled broom, straw. He bought it an electric cord and snuck it home and went in his workshop and drilled a hole very carefully in the very top of that wooden handle and took that electric cord and stuck it in there and then very carefully wrapped it up and put it in a beautiful box and stuck it under the tree. Christmas morning... The three boys, we were just biting our tongues. We couldn't wait till that moment when my mom opened that special gift. She had asked for an electric broom and she was going to get one. (laughs) She opened it up, opened up the box and turned and looked at my dad. (laughs) And with a big smile, he said, it's an electric broom. Well, the next year, she decided that she would do something special for him. He had asked for a briefcase. He traveled a lot. He's a businessman, and he wanted a brand-new leather briefcase to go on his travels. And so just a few days before Christmas, she took the three boys. They were stuck with us. They had to do something with us all the time. We went to J.C. Penney, where she found a beautiful pair of boxer briefs. And she had already found a leather handle from somewhere and taking it home, she sewed that handle onto that pair of briefs, folded it up beautifully, put it in a box. And when my dad opened it on Christmas morning, she looked at him with the same smile she had seen the year before and said, it's a briefcase. (laughs) Surprise has long been connected to Christmas. And today we look at two announcements about the beginning of this season. This was the official announcement that Christmas was actually coming. And they are both filled with surprise and joy, but certainly shock and surprise. Look with me in Luke, the first chapter. And we'll see the very first of these two announcement stories that we're going to look at. Now, these two stories are quite different. They are two different people, and they're about a different announcement. But if we look carefully at the structure, at how the story is laid out, we see that they have a lot in common. In fact, they're almost parallel stories in many ways. 
So beginning with Luke 1, I'm going to begin with verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. Zechariah was a common name for a priest among the Jewish people. And yes, there was a prophet in the 6th century with the same name who was also a priest, therefore the name. Today, we still remember that name, don't we, Zachary? That's where that name comes from, Zachariah. And we still remember this name, Elizabeth. We have Elizabeths all around us because of this amazing story. The story tells us that Zechariah was a godly man, a priest. He lived in the hills of Judea, perhaps in a place so small there's no name for it, but probably within an easy walk of the city of Jerusalem. And twice a year, as it worked out in the priesthood, among the 24 divisions that had been set aside by David to come and to present the offerings in the temple, twice a year... Zechariah went to Jerusalem for a week to serve the Lord, to be there, to act as a priest for the people. The highest honor for those priests was that they would be chosen by lot to actually stand and to lay the incense on the coals of the altar in the morning prayer time and in the evening prayer time. Now, once that had happened, then that particular priest could not be chosen again until until every other person in his division had had that opportunity. It was such a rare privilege to get to do that, to lay the incense and then with both the smoke and the smell of that incense going through the temple, the people knew this was the time of prayer. It was the highest privilege that a priest could have. And it was the day that Zechariah had been chosen. Probably the only time in his life. The pinnacle of his professional life. The moment that he had studied for and prepared for all of his life. And he must have been so excited to be there to have that opportunity. It appears it was in the evening prayer time because it says there was a great crowd of people and normally there were more in the evening that came to the temple. And so on that evening, Zechariah is there to lay the incense, to sprinkle it into the coals and let the fumes rise up. And at that very moment, he looked up startled because he's supposed to be there by himself. And there, right standing beside him is... A man, but this is not just a man. He appeared. And the angel began to speak to him. 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked. Really, his question is, can you prove it to me? How can this be true? Can you somehow prove this to me? Yes, we prayed for a child, but perhaps he had long since quit praying because it says they're advanced in years, just like the story we heard earlier this morning. It must have reminded Zachariah of that story just a little bit. A special story that he knew that the people told and told again of Abraham and his special son that God gave in his old age. Listen in verse 19 to how the angel answered him. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now, it has been 400 years since there have been a prophet in Israel. 400 years since there had been a man so filled with the Holy Spirit as this baby was going to be. 400 years since a special revelation, a special word had come to God for the people. And here was Zechariah committed to the Lord. And we're told a godly man, loyal to God and righteous in following the law in every way that he could. And yet when God answered his prayer. Prove it to me. Prove it to me, God. And I love that answer from Gabriel. I am Gabriel. Zechariah knew that name. The angels in the Bible normally aren't given names. We only know two, really. We have Micah, Michael, and we have Gabriel. And the last time that the name Gabriel had been used was in the book of Daniel where this angel appeared to Daniel and forecast the coming of the Messiah and gave him idea about how long it would be before Jesus was supposed to come. So when the angel standing there said to him, I am Gabriel, I believe Zechariah knew exactly the last time Gabriel had showed up and he was talking about the Messiah. And listen to what Gabriel says. It's like Gabriel is saying to him, Zechariah, what is it that you require? For God himself to send an angel from heaven and stand right here before you and tell you this news? Uh, That's actually what's happening right now. What's it going to take? Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Zechariah was delayed coming out of the temple 
And when he came out, he couldn't say anything. And word spread, rumors spread about what had taken place. He couldn't explain it in detail, but he began to show signs. Now, I'm just trying to imagine what this would have been like, you know, at the end of the week, where Zechariah is going home to Elizabeth. She knows what day he's coming home. Do you think she made him something really special to eat? Yes, he's been gone a week. She's made him dinner. He's coming home. He gets there, and she's so excited. Only twice a year did he get to go and actually be in the temple, and now for the only time in his lifetime, he actually laid the incense. This is the height of their professional life together. She must have been so excited. And can you imagine what she's thinking and maybe even saying when he comes in the door and she says, Zechariah, Zechariah, tell me about it. How wonderful was it? You got to be in the temple of God and you laid the incense. How exciting that must be. Tell me about it. I've been waiting to hear. I wonder what... Surely she didn't say, Man... They won't even talk to you. It wasn't his fault this time. Maybe, maybe before, but not this time. But this is such an amazing, shocking, surprising, and joyous story. We have a faithful recipient, a couple who love God, and they were without a child, and they longed for one, but now... There's a surprise in this announcement because they're too old. Maybe they've quit hoping. They're too old. There's a surprise in this announcement because it's Gabriel. Gabriel, the angel that only comes to make an announcement at turning points in history. He's not the guy that drops in and makes some little light news. He only comes in rare occasions. And this is a turning point of history. And his very presence announces that it must have been a shock to them. And he came again to talk about the coming of the Messiah. He told them they would have a son named John, which means God has given grace. This baby For Zechariah and Elizabeth was God's grace. But the meaning is really much broader than that because it is meant to be, this child would be a grace gift to the whole world. We're told so much about the child. He's specially empowered by the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. This is something rarely heard of in the Old Testament. And nothing like that for hundreds of years. We're told that he would be like Elijah, in the spirit and power of Elijah. If you turn to the last two verses of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 5 and 6, God promised that a day would come before the great day of the Lord, God would send another man like Elijah to prepare the way. These people had been waiting 400 years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. And now they're hearing it. It's about to happen. And his name is John. And he is coming in the power of the Lord. And then we're told he is coming to make ready a prepared people for the Lord. Isaiah 40 verses 3 to 5 is quoted repeatedly as the role of John the Baptist had come just before the Messiah, 
just before Jesus to prepare the hearts of the people to know that Jesus is coming and to recognize him. He is preparing the way. And this is the announcement. God is sending a miraculous, powerful messenger before the Messiah to prepare the way. Look in verse 26 as we look at the second announcement. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not been with a man? Mary's question was a little bit different from Zechariah. I think Zechariah was demanding, You prove this to me. He didn't believe it. Mary isn't doubting that it's going to happen. She just can't imagine how in the world this could happen. And the angel explained it to her. The Holy Spirit was going to perform a miracle in her to bring this about. So again, like the first story, we have this faithful recipient. A young girl engaged to be married, but not yet married. In those days, it was quite common for an older man. And Joseph, when we say older, we probably mean maybe in his early 20s or late teens. She was much younger than that. We don't know exactly, but many have estimated between the age of 12 and 14. And their families had made a formal agreement. It's actually a legal document, far more formal than our present day engagements are. And often these took place well in advance. So Mary was promised, and yet she was still too young. They had not married yet. She was not living with Joseph yet. They had not been together. It, she was too young. That's the surprise. Elizabeth was too old. Mary's too young. How can this be, she said. And the announcement said, the Lord is with you. Just a poor village girl. God has chosen you. For a very special purpose in his eternal plan. And who is it that's coming in this announcement? Not John the Baptist. No, this announcement is about Jesus. Whose name means the Lord saves. It's really another form of the name Joshua that we know from the Old Testament. God sent another leader to save his people in the Old Testament. And this one, Jesus, is also a Savior. We're told He will be great. He will walk with God and have a special relationship with God and be empowered by God. We're told that He will be the Son of the Most High. In 2 Samuel 7, God made a special covenant with King David. 
And he told them that out of his descendants, after his death, God would raise up a great king who would be like a son to God. God would be as his father and this king would be as God's son. And that terminology and their understanding, I believe, was primarily focused on this intimate relationship that God would watch over him and guide him and lead him like a father wants to lead his own son. Deep, deep intimacy. Not yet clear that Son of God also refers to the fact that this child was God come in the flesh. The Son of God. And we're told that He would reign on the throne of His father David forever. Isaiah 9 picks up that same theme telling us You'll turn with me to Isaiah 9, verse 6. Maybe the most commonly read passage at Christmas time. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So a surprise. A Messiah is coming. A Savior, one who saves one who is unusually connected to God, and one who will lead a kingdom that will never, ever end, and whose blessings will last for all time. We celebrate Christmas in two ways. We celebrate this special historic event that took place almost 2,000 years ago. We celebrate that The angels came and announced these comings and the birth. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But we also celebrate the fact that Jesus who came all those years ago came as Emmanuel, God with us. He is still with us. We're not just remembering a historic event, though it is an historic event. We're remembering that His kingdom lasts forever and His presence is with us always. This morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let's enter into His presence and thank Him for His grace gift to us.